Hello, everyone. It's your girl singing. I'm back like I never black. Welcome to another episode of the Time of Podcast. Um, if you're listening on any of the, I don't say our, our podcast platforms, y'all don't know them. But if you are listening on a podcast platform, make sure that you are subscribing and leaving a rating. You know, leave a comment if you got some fast seconds of your time to spare. Um, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. Hit the notifications button so you can be notified whenever we do uh, drop a new episode. Today, I am joined by, honestly, if, you, if you're a woman and you work in sports, this is one of the goats to you. Like, this is just some, one of the amazing women that you're looking up to. You probably come across um, something that she's produced or just heard her um, on the podcast, another podcast. You, you've seen her, you know her, you know who she is. But today, I'm joined by, but today, I'm joined by Tariqa Foster Brasby. Um, honestly, her accolades, like, they're deep, they're long, there's range, there's, I mean, she's a multimedia extraordinaire. That's all I have to say. Like, you've seen her work. Okay? She's, she's out there. She is a writer. She's a host. She's a producer and editor. Like, there's only one thing she can't do. But anyways, <laughs> there is literally, like, no thing she can't do. But hey, Tarika. I can tell, I can absolutely hear your Canadian accent. I'm from Detroit, so I'm very familiar with Canada. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 yes, hence my, hence my virtual background, the Detroit skyline, just because I, um, so I visit Ontario often. Normally it's Windsor, you know, Windsor is like the closest to us, yeah, um, yeah. And we, whatever. But, um, but I live in Hartford, Connecticut now, so I'm hours away from both the Canadian border and from Detroit. So it's, a, it's, I'm about, Eight, like right now the closest to me would be like Niagara Falls right okay. like that part would be and that's about eight hours for me where Detroit is like 10 hours for me if I were to drive home so I'm a ways away being here like in the middle of nowhere of Hartford Connecticut but um but yeah it's it's like oh it's like and like this is where ESPN is so it makes sense that mm-hmm. I have to be here but it's just like so boring there's nothing to do i guess it kind of leads to my first question so yes you've been at espn for a while now um so i just wanted to know like when you started was this your plan like where you are now was this where you were heading to and like aiming for or did you have like a different direction like were you trying to go somewhere else absolutely like this is totally way off the mark of where i thought i would be um and eventually where i want to be so Mm -hmm. i started here um, six years ago um, in 2014 um, and I didn't even think that ESPN would hire me I was like I don't have any like experience for real like I've been doing my own thing like I was doing my own thing for a long time so you know it was just like I'm doing my own thing I'm just gonna see what happens so even when they called me back I was like what y'all pulled my application y'all did that so (laughs) so that was pretty dope but I really was just kind of saying to myself like this is an opportunity for me to just kind of get my foot in the door mm-hmm. and learn and absorb everything that I can learn and can absorb and meet and network and connect with people um, who I feel like can help put me on the career path that I really want to be on um, and so while doing that um, I did just that like you know networked with a lot of people in front of the camera behind the camera um, really tried to learn as much as I possibly could about different parts of the of the media industry as well as the sports industry mm-hmm. and then um, kind of throw out little skill sets um, that I felt like I could contribute outside of what my day-to-day job was so my day-to-day job is a producer 
in the radio um, podcasting department, um, mm-hmm. but I also write and, you know, I used to host and all this other good stuff. So I was like, hey, maybe if I can just like sprinkle little pieces of, you know, some of the other things that I do in different areas, um, I'll get opportunities to kind of continue my career path in that direction of being more of a host than an analyst. And so um, fortunately, I was able to do that. The Undefeated gave me a shot and let me write a couple of articles for them. ESPNW gave me a shot, let me write a couple articles for them. Um, I'm currently working with this project called Here For It, which is a digital TV series. So that's a lot of fun. So I'm now starting to really do what it is that I want to do but I've had so much fun along the way kind of doing what I've been doing that is amazing like you're literally doing like it's like you're doing so many separate things but they all kind of like overlap in like different ways and like yeah if they don't like you're still able to find ways to like bring them together which I think is really cool um especially in this industry I feel like in a lot of um people that I spoke to so I actually spoke with um Kelly Fraser uh last last week I think and we were talking about how a lot of people who work in the sports industry, like they have their like their one nine to five pay job, but they have like seven other things going on in the background. Like it's a podcast or the writing yeah. somewhere. Um, <laughs> I, so I recently started um started as a contributing writer for um, this other other sponsored platform. So just like seeing a lot of like sports professionals having like ten different jobs, like on their LinkedIn, it says like so and so the present, so and so the present, so and so the present. Like they have so many yep. jobs, which I think is really amazing and really good to see um but I guess yeah. like you are definitely one of like the women I've been looking up to within the industry um just seeing how you're able to like navigate um, a lot of the platforms that um typically don't represent us as, as much you know? mm-hmm. and then seeing women like you and like the China and just seeing the like oh wait like they're paving ways like they're making space like they're they're making platforms they're hosting conversations um which is so amazing, but like given as you've been in the industry uh, for a while now, what are some like skills or some tools that you think are like underrated, um, either in media or in sports? Yeah, well, first off, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. I still, I still feel like I'm just one of the girls, you know, like, (laughs) so, so absolutely dope. But, um, but yeah, like, I think that it's important for um, just anyone coming in this industry to kind of have that ability to just be able to do a little bit of everything because it just kind of puts us in a better position because you're right there isn't a lot of us right represented in any facet whether that's behind the scenes as a producer whether that's in front of the camera whether you're writing or you know as a journalist like it's just so many different areas in the sports industry and majority of them are dominated by men Mm -hmm. and so um and then the ones that are um women heavy doesn't seem to be like black women heavy so it it just it's it's really important that you know you put yourself in the best position to be um successful by having in your toolbox the ability to do everything so if you write awesome if you can edit even better um if you are um an on-camera talent and you know how to edit your own videos and you know how to film your own stuff even better if you're into podcasting and you know how to edit your own podcast and you know how to publish your own podcast and you also know how to market your own podcast look at you you know what I mean like and it's and it's crazy that we have to do all of those things yeah and 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 others you know don't necessarily have to do all of those things but being able to do all of those things is what will set you apart from other people um I think that's kind of like the biggest thing that I've learned. It's just having the ability to be a unicorn is just something really important, you know, and 
um, especially right now in this digital age where everything is social media heavy, everything is podcast heavy, like having that kind of ability um, to be able to, to, to do your thing on those different platforms and be successful at it is definitely a skill set that wasn't really popular um, when I first, first started. Like I started really 2011, maybe, and that doesn't seem like it's super far, yeah. but, but in 2011, like, you know, people weren't on Twitter like they're on Twitter now. Like, Twitter was around, but it wasn't like it is now. You know, yeah. there was no TikTok. There was no Snapchat. Exactly, right? So, like, there was, like, it was just Facebook. And Facebook was really, like, really starting to, you know, by this time, I think Facebook was probably about seven or eight years in. So, mm -hmm. a lot of people were still getting, you know, used to the new features and all this other stuff. Um, and podcasting was still, like, something that only a few people really had. There wasn't a lot of people that were doing it. So, these platforms, you know, were still fairly new, even though we were well into, you know, the 21st century at this point. And um, it was rare to find someone who knew how to edit a podcast or knew how to understand how to record and all this other good stuff. So now, you know, we're in 2021 and everybody in their mom has a podcast now, you know, and, you know, everybody's, you know, right, right. Everybody's recording videos and putting up videos and stuff now. So it's like, you have to kind of find those things that will set you apart from, you know, the, the, the thing that everyone else has been able to, to catch on and be able to learn, you know, so just kind of stay ahead of the curve in that way. Yeah, I can definitely agree. I know when I look at like myself and like other women I know in the sports industry, like what, like they have their job role and then they're doing like a thousand and ten things, thousand and ten things, thousand and ten things outside of that. And I'm like, that's not even your department. Like you yep. say no, like you don't have to, you don't even know how to do it, but you went and learned it on the job because it needs to yep. be So I definitely agree that like within sports, like women definitely, I don't want to say we're putting in more work, but we are. Yeah, that's what it is. We're we putting in more work. <laughs> I think we're just learning more like we're there's more expected of us like within this industry like whenever there are issues like they always look to the women to solve it even if it's not in their alley they're like can you edit this something for me can you photoshop real quick and I'm like on YouTube like learning how to like do all these different tech things I never learned before but that mm -hmm. is really so true yeah you definitely got to have a, a toolbox of a very of a bevy of different things to to do and to learn and to know just because we have to you know we're a triple threat right we're mm -hmm. we're we're black we're women um you know we're in an industry that is just already dominated by men by males um we have to fight off the the stereotypes that come along with that um mm -hmm. there's just a lot there's a lot that we have on our plate and we have to be super women you know unfortunately so the more that you can have in your toolbox um, I think not the easier it'll be, but you know, the better equipped you'll be to handle what comes your way. Yeah, that is actually definitely true. That's so true. Um, this also reminds me of a piece I saw that you wrote last year. So um, I guess just background for people who I'll definitely post it somewhere along with the video on the podcast. Just that like, <laughs> I think it was really amazing. Um, but just in terms of uh, things to leave behind in 2020, there's suspecting, um, black women like what brought yes. you to that point because I feel like there are so many conversations that I I don't want to say I slipped under the carpet but I just never really addressed like with myself or like within like the black community or like just like within like my normal community um 
as a whole. Um, a lot of conversations regarding like just being a black woman and mm-hmm. being black and neocolorism and stuff like that. So a lot of like conversations that just never got addressed. I feel like last year was the orientation oh. for the <laughs> talking about it all. Whatever you want to talk, even if you don't want to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. So what led you to um, write that piece last year? Yeah, last 2020, man, 2020 just like it it was just boom okay like, it just opened the door for so many things that i think a lot of us kind of already knew or already saw or already were aware existed but from a mainstream society um i don't want to say that they didn't know that it existed even though there's a lot of people who were like oh my god i didn't realize this come on yes you did you knew that oh, it's like right it's like it's like you knew it you just maybe you didn't want to believe it maybe you didn't want to accept it but 2020 kind of put it in our face where everyone had no choice but to accept it. Like, this is what's happening, right? And among everything that was happening throughout the course of the year, it was Black women who were leading the charge in a lot of it. It was also a Black woman that kind of helped spark um, this movement to where it is, right? But it was definitely, you know, the death of Breonna Taylor. It was the leadership of women like Stacey Abrams and Latasha Brown. And it was like the women of the WNBA who yeah. really put their money in, in, their, in, their, in their platform, you know, to the best of use. And it just continued. And then, you know, here in the States, Kamala Harris winning, you know, the vice presidency along with, you know, Joe Biden and, and being the first to serve in that role. It, it was just so much. And to see Black women at the forefront of that um, it really made a difference for a lot of us. Um, however, there's still so many moments that I can point to where we're pushed aside, yeah. where we're pushed to the left, where our concerns are not heard, where our fears um, are not recognized, where you know people still find it okay to you know disparage us, and people still find it okay to you know to to flat out just disrespect us and what we're doing Mm -hmm. and at some point you're like listen a lot of the things happening in our world and in our country wouldn't be happening if it were not for the hard work and the efforts of black women so while you know you are speaking on these things what you need to remember is that going into 2021 you need to leave that back there because this is how we got to where we are this is what we'll be doing moving forward. So leave the respect back there. And that's just kind of like how I saw it. And, and, and really, um, I was writing this around the end of 2020, around like December. And it's just like, you know, we always have these countdowns. We always have these, you know, these are the top moments of the year. We look into the next year and we say, hey, these are our resolutions. This is what we're going to do different this year. I really wanted to put it on people's hearts that in this year and every year moving forward, we need to recognize how important Black women are to our society, what we do, what we bring, and you need to put some respect on us. Just simple as that. So that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah, that's so true. I remember back in the summer, um, even like within the past few months, like everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, the NBA and social activism. And I'm like, definitely not downplaying what they're doing. Like, it's really important. It's really important what they're doing. Like, they're doing some great things, like refusing to play some games mm-hmm. and, you know, refusing to like answer comments and like, just bring up social issues like in front of the reporters. However, I was like, I mean, the WNBA been doing this. Like, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, 
my award, like, y'all act like my award does not exist. Like, right, I'm right. Like, <laughs> a whole season, and like, <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh my gosh, but the, the NBA is like, you know, making big statements. And I'm like, I felt the same way. I'm just like, you guys really must have forgotten that the WNBA has been doing this for years. years. Like, you might have ignored them, but listen, they they have receipts, okay? They have receipts. They've been doing this. <laughs> where, where was y'all? <laughs> like, where were y'all? Where were y'all? Right. Honestly, yeah, I just, it's just so weird to me sometimes when, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess that just brings me to, like, another question that's, like, what role did you think, or do you think that sports had in activism before last summer, as opposed to now, um, that, like, okay, so everyone's finally, like, agreeing, like, oh, maybe sports and politics, like, do intersect, oh, okay, like, now what? So, <laughs> like, how is the word? You know, people are still, like, denying it, and they're, like, no, it's different, shut up and play, but, I mean, we're here, we're here now, like, no. Right. Yeah. And honestly, sports and politics have always coexisted, like always, always coexisted. Think about it. And um, when sport teams win a championship, what do they do? They go and visit the president of the United States. You know what I mean? Before we start every game, we sing the national anthem. Yeah. We, you know, say the Pledge of Allegiance or whatever. You know, like there are different times where you may see different politicians at different athletic events. So it, it's like there's always been this intersection. It's only when it intersects in a way that is different from what you believe or different from what you think um, it should be or, or when it brings up an issue that makes you uncomfortable that you decide, well, you know, sports is sports and politics is politics. And that's just not how it works. I think there's always been um, some semblance of um, political statements throughout different sporting events. Um, but I think last year is when it got to a point where, and I'll, I'll actually go back even further because I really think that it was uh, when Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel in 2016 that really yeah. put it on the forefront, right? But it's yeah. amazing how many, how many people then, you know, called Kaepernick various names, said he was being disruptive, blah, 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 blah. And then three years later, the NFL creates a social justice movement called Inspire Change, right? It's like, well, you ostracized this guy like four years ago. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to give him a job now. Now, all of a sudden, you guys, we were- us here, sorry. Right, like, did we, did we completely forget this entire destruction of this man's name and reputation over this event, you know? So I think it's always, it's always been there. It's just that there's a level of uncomfort that people get with it. And over the last year in particular, athletes have been okay with making people uncomfortable. Yeah. And other people have started to say, well, you know what? I'm okay with making people uncomfortable. And now those people who feel that sports and politics don't mesh or shouldn't intersect are kind of in the minority. Mm -hmm. There are way more people now who understand why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. And there is more people now who understand why the WNBA dedicated their entire season to uplifting the name of Breonna Taylor. And they understand why, you know, the NBA went as far as they did in terms of, um, and, and, and LeBron James, um, you know, starting his movement uh, more than an athlete, 
um, the the whole shut up and dribble, so like they'll like comments like that, and even more recently, um, there's a comment that was made by um, former Green Bay quarterback um, Brett Favre, who made the statement that um, who made the statement that you know some athletes should just or certain people should just you know if you wanted to if you want to um, own a team or something something along the lines of um, you're pay oh we're paid a lot of money we're paid a lot of money to do a job just do the job and you yeah. know leave the decision making to other people something along those lines uh, you know I don't want to misquote him but the point yeah. is like there are still those who feel like athletes shouldn't have a voice yeah. exactly that they shouldn't have a voice yeah. exactly and and I think that there are now more people who are saying we're human too and it's actually sort of like how we are as journalists you know there was a lot that were going on over the last year and you kind of have to balance like where do I stand as a journalist where I'm reporting the news where I am trying to keep this fair and balanced and then at the same time understanding that this is affecting me this is affecting my community I'm a human being I'm a black woman like this is hard you know what I mean like you can't expect me to report on this and not feel some type of way personally about it um, I think athletes have that same they have that same thing they're human they're members in the community they have themselves been victims of police brutality exactly you know what I mean even you know even oh my god Masai Ujiri like yeah. a perfect example, right? So, example. <laughs> you know, we're in Canada. Doesn't mean that it's not a thing. I remember when I showed up with the, um, what did the bus say? Uh, was it Black Lives Matter? Um, when they showed up to the bubble, but our bus like said something like, oh, on those terms, I know some people are like, but y'all are in Canada. Like you guys are the Toronto team. But I'm like, first of all, all of our players are American. Right. <laughs> 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 They leave here, they go back home, they're going back to America, and, you know, they're definitely still, like, experiencing these things, and, you know, it, it doesn't yep. happen in Canada, they're just, like, Canada has, like, the population of Canada is, like, the population of Florida, so we just have less people, so, like, per capita, it's just, like, <laughs> a smaller amount reported, but it's, like, definitely still, uh, so prevalent right yeah. exactly and I and I think that's so important that and I love seeing how the Black Lives Matter movement touched so many people in different countries mm -hmm. there were you know people who were supporting us from Canada people supporting us from you know the UK people supporting us in Australia it was literally a worldwide yeah. phenomenon in some way right like this yeah. is racism police brutality it is a global issue it is not just only happening in the united states and so um i just think that and and sports have global reach specifically the nba like they're you know they literally have players um who spend several times exactly who spend a lot of time overseas and then the wnba their players play overseas in the off season right and so they build a following and they build love from the from different fans and the fan base in those countries and they follow they follow what we're doing over here in the united states they're following and they're aware right and so we just got to get our ish together that's pretty much what it means <laughs> like yeah it's actually so like i feel like now we're at this point where it's like sports fans are who typically like watch sports to avoid or um like escape from like politics and like human rights thing and like social justice like now it's kind of like invading their space like their sports times like commercials in between sports games <laughs> are saying like black lives matter like players are wearing t-shirts now there's kind of like shook because they're like wait this is supposed to be my safe space like 
I have to be held accountable for my actions, my beliefs, but like now they're being forced um, to yep. do And I've definitely been, not side-eyeing, but I've been looking at, especially at being Black History Month, I've just been looking at a lot of the teams and leagues that, you know, posted Black squares and not of like diversity. So I've just been like, right. on them and I side-eye the NFL a lot whenever they tweet anything now. <laughs> Any tweet that's not an apology to Colin Kaepernick. I literally side eye it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that they're, um, I think her name is her name Amanda Goodman. Amanda, um, the young black woman. I read the poem at the inauguration. Oh, Amanda Gorman. Yes. Gorman, Gorman, Gorman. Yeah. So now I saw that she's speaking um, tomorrow at the Super Bowl. And okay, so like, I think the NFL is trying to be like progressive, but I'm like, you guys are refusing to admit the one wrong which just caused us all to have this feeling towards you guys? Like, do you mm -hmm. want to talk about that or no? But yeah, like, do you think that they're trying to be There's progressive so or they're just, like, covering it up? I, I don't think the NFL really truly understands how to make this right. Like, it's like, I like I feel like your heart, like, they want to be in the right, well, some people want to be in the right place, but mm -hmm. there are others, it's just like, you, they have a, they, it's like they, if there is, if there's any organization that fails miserably at reading the room, it's the NFL. <laughs> it's like, it's like every time we think there's an opportunity for you to get it right, you just blow it, right? So I don't know, you know, honestly, no idea what this is supposed to mean. There was a, um, I believe at the beginning of the football season, they were like, we're going to play the Black National Anthem at every game. Sir, that serves no purpose. Like, what, what do you, <laughs> like, that's not what we were asking for. You're not, <laughs> that's not what, that's not what we're doing here, boss. That's not it. Like, that's not it. It, it is just, so they, I, it, it's like they're trying, but they're, they really need more people in positions um, to really help them understand what it means to diversify and what it means to just sometimes lay low and let things happen, let so things take know. its course. And yeah, like, you know, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just best to be quiet, right? And so they need to understand when they need to speak and when they need to be quiet. So that's one. And then they also need to understand that they have a lot of people in positions who don't understand how valuable and important it is to make the right decisions when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, I think right now the hottest topic with them in specific is all the head coaching positions that were open and only two of them went to um, minority candidates. And it's just like, really? Like that's crap, right? And so you preach that we're here for diversity. You preach that we're here for um, you know, making everyone feel included, but that's not what your actions say. It's not what your owners do. Um, so, I mean, I can't speak for them and how they feel. I can only speak for what I see and how it is perceived by me and maybe by some other fans. And so for me, it doesn't look like there seems to be a desire to really, you know, practice that diversity and inclusion piece that they're preaching to all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that their um their diversity and inclusion report is like fairly low, and then like in comparison to other leagues, and I feel bad, but I compare like every league in terms of like DEI to like the WNBA, <laughs> but because um, they're the bomb <laughs> at it. <laughs> I was like, they're literally the golden standard, but like their report card was fairly low. But when it was high, it was sort of like, okay, fine, we'll include women, 
but like what does that range of women even look like um Mm -hmm. like, the way the opportunities are being presented and like the roles that they hold and that's why I think it's so important like like PR has been such an underrated thing I see these past few months like not having a diverse PR team or at least someone who's like on Twitter, like following trends and seeing social media, like at least reading the comments under what you post, like when you guys right. look at trends, like you know that you need to apologize. Um, but I guess this just means that maybe the NFL doesn't have like a diverse PR team, right? Or do you think it's possible they have a diverse PR team, but their suggestions are not being taken? I, I, I have no idea. I just think that they could do a better job of understanding what the fan base is saying and do a better job of doing what's right, right? I think a lot of times there are traps that, you know, multi-million multi, um, dollar companies, billion dollar companies fall into is being so focused on the money mm-hmm. and so focused on um, a, a, a specific audience that they miss out on the rest of their audience. And yeah. Black people, like, we love our sports, right? And there is a huge amount of underserved audiences of black and brown people who are continually slapped in the face um, by organizations like the NFL. And at the same time, it's quite a conundrum because you love football, right? You love football. You love the players. There's an attachment that you have as a fan to a team. Um, But it's hard when you constantly feel like you're being slapped in the face by you know, not being represented fairly by, you know, not really feeling like your concerns are being heard. Um, And that's a way a lot of us feel doubly for us as, you know, females who are fans of football, because yeah, there's the, the issue of, um, of not hiring diversely. There's the issue of, you know, there are some teams who are giving to causes that have to do with police brutality, but then there are some um, who are not. There are, those who are working with Inspire Change, and it's not like Inspire Change is a bad initiative. It's not. It's yeah. just that, you know, how do you say that you want to do this? And the person who helped create and brought this to your attention is still without a job. You know, it's it's like, mm, I don't really, I don't really know how genuine you are, you know? Exactly. So I mean, who's even running those type of like uh who's running that like movement who's in charge of it like like exactly like what are you doing so that's that's just kind of that's just kind of like where it is it's just you know if there aren't enough people in the room who can help make decisions um to better have a public face for the image that the nfl has right now then i think that they they definitely need to work on putting those people there you know yeah yeah, especially with the fact that, like, they'll release those statements, and then you'll have games where, like, people are still booing when people kneel. Like, there's a, there's a lot of... I feel like there's, That's like, another <laughs> issue, right? Like, <laughs> we're, still, we're still trying to battle COVID-19. We're still trying to figure out how we even get people... You know, and that's a, that's a totally different conversation that we don't even have time for. But, like, th- like it's real. Like, you're battling racism. We're battling COVID. Like, we got a lot going on right now. We don't, we can't really deal with anything else. <laughs> no, it's really, I'm, I'm picking one. I don't know if I can pick racism. Like, let me just, let me and my health just be well. And I'll just stay at home. Racism, I can postpone that because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so it is a lot. It is a lot. But yeah, the NFL, I mean, hopefully, we'll see how tomorrow goes. We'll just 
we will see how tomorrow goes. I mean, super. If Mahomes wins, that would be nice for you know Black History Month or whatever. But I mean, I'm ready to go. So I, <laughs> <laughs> let whoever win win. And, <laughs> it is fine with me. Anyone like in particular that you want to win? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely rooting for Patrick Mahomes. I am a strong Tom Brady hater. So I was going to root for Patrick Mahomes anyway. It just, it, for anyone listening, it goes back to I'm, a, I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan for football. And the Colts used to be in the same division with the New England Patriots. So for a while, we were actual division rivals. On top of that, as I mentioned before, I'm from Detroit, I'm from Michigan. And I am a Michigan State fan where Tom Brady went to Michigan. And anyone who knows about Michigan and Michigan State knows we are sworn enemies. So the the hate for Tom Brady goes far beyond the NFL. There's history. There's history in this hate, right? So as a fan, as a fan, I'm obviously rooting for Patrick Mahomes. But as an as an analyst, I honestly just think that Kansas City um, is just a better um, just has an offense that's ridiculous. That yeah. you know as as well as. Tampa Bay has played as well as their defense has played. I think that their offense is just going to be a little bit stronger. Yeah, so. definitely works. that. In terms of Super Bowl, but yeah, 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 yeah. Tampa hasn't been there since like '03. I was like 20, maybe in '03. So I'm old now. <laughs> you're old. You're just you're seasoned. You're seasoned. I'm a little seasoned. Yeah, right. I'm a little seasoned. I'm a little seasoned. <laughs> wow. But yeah, tomorrow. Like, it's just so weird, but like the sports side of me like loves the game, and then the sports biz side of me is like, I can't wait to see the ads and see how much they paid <laughs> to see the impression. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I'll just be sitting there with my little notebook, taking notes and comparing it to like the 2020 ads and whatnot. Uh, That's awesome. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I feel like I had like you. my like questions that I knew I wanted to ask but I just had my own personal like I mean I'm talking to a goat here from ESPN oh that's so like, awesome let me just get my own personal questions in there too and just ask them <laughs> oh no um but yeah thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me um I hope but no thank you, you so much for inviting me I had a I had a blast thank you for asking me to join oh no problem I'm definitely gonna put the link to all your socials I'm gonna put the link to your blog and and the podcast you know around the brand i am you know yay awesome so i'll definitely put that in there too awesome you're doing a great job so absolutely keep me abreast of what you're doing and what's going on and let's stay connected for sure yeah for sure thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day you're welcome you too bye-bye